I thank you for your spirit, how much you love us. What an awesome song that just echoes who you are and how you think about us. Holy Spirit, again, take, take what I have to say and apply it where people are at with this whole subject. And I ask that you would revision each person here to be more in lo- aligned with and in pursuit of your true riches. So thanks for helping us today. Amen. <coughs> well, last time I shared with you, uh, we talked about the contrast between mammon or the world's system of values and true riches that God desires to give to us. And hopefully, we're starting to think about the idea of true riches. A couple of things just to review. Luke 16.11 says this. If you have not been trustworthy with handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? When we are trustworthy with money, God says that opens up true riches to you. And true riches is defined as anything that is only accessible through the power and presence of Holy Spirit. God's glory, God's grace, God's mercy, God's love, God's peace. It's interesting the way some of this stuff shows up. As as you may be able to see, Mary's not here today. Um, Last Sunday night, we went to the airport to pick up a friend of hers who's coming here to do Senior Olympics. I didn't even know they had such a thing. She does intermediate racing. She's 70 years old and does intermediate racing. What? Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. What? Who, who heard of such a thing? I don't want to race. I'm, I'm going to be 65 shortly, and I don't want to race. She flew across the continent to be in this thing. So we're at the airport waiting for her, and Mary starts to get sick. And I can tell she's starting to, to kind of lose it. And I go, you know, are, are, are you okay? Do we need to go? And she goes, I'm going to be okay. I just need to sit here for a little while. And, she, and, and it gets worse. And, and finally, it's to the point where she just is like, fall, you know, laying down on the, on the, the bench. And she, she can't move. So I catch one of the ladies going by. And I said, please go get the paramedics. My wife needs the paramedics. And, and so... I'm sitting there this whole time, and this lady is behind me. And so she's just watching and looking at me and looking at Mary and watching me. And um, so the paramedics get there and bless Mary's heart. She, you know, gets put on a gurney and gets to travel through the airport on a gurney. I mean, I, I can't even imagine how humiliating that must be. Anyway, so they, they take her off, and she, she's going, and I'm still waiting for the, the friend to get here because we're picking her up. So I, I'm waiting for this person I've never met before. And the lady behind me said, how did you just do that? And I go, do what? And she said, you are so peaceful in the middle of all of this chaos. I would be freaking out. True riches says God will give you the ability to do something that you cannot do on your own. And one of the things God says is he will give us peace. And it's like, okay, God, this is just uncomfortable. It's unpleasant. I don't like what's going on. This is difficult. She'd been making really good progress. And now this. And yet... The person behind me that I've never met said, there is something about the peace that you have that I have never had. 
What is it? I thought of Shole. I'm going, it's so good. Yeah, you know, that's, this is a Shole thing. You're just sitting there and all of a sudden somebody asks you about what's going on. So I got to share with her that God gives me peace in the middle of all this. He says, you know, I'm going to take care of you. True riches is that. It isn't just healing the sick. It isn't just raising the dead. It isn't just impacting nations. It's also being a carrier of the kingdom wherever we go that happens in a dimension that the world recognizes is different. We want true riches. Amen? Just so you know, Mary spent three days in the hospital. She came home Wednesday, and she's still not doing very well. She's basically gone between the bed and the couch during the day. But we had two awesome weeks, so this is a setback week, and I know we're going to go forward. But Jesus said, if you haven't been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who is going to trust you with true riches? How we handle money defines how we're going to be able to either access or not access true riches. Power of the Holy Spirit gives gifts, gives fruit, pieces of fruit, gets gifts too. So we picked up this, uh, this lady that I'm going to go get tonight. I'm still going to get Mary and her together for tonight before she leaves. And she gets in the car and she goes, well, this, this is just really, really difficult. I go, well, why are, why are you so turbulent inside? And, 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 you know, this is a good thing you're coming to. And she said, oh, it's not important. And God drops this thing in my heart. And he says, tell her that what's going on in her life with her family is going to be okay. I go, anything particularly you want to tell me? He says, no, just tell her that. So I did. Tears start coming down her cheeks. And she goes, this is such a God thing. See, true riches also says you can just bring a little bit of heaven to other people as a normative flow of life. I'm blessed and honored, you know, the way you talked about Hanny and Silva and Aaron traveling around. And I'm really glad that they get to do that. And I'm not a big traveler. And since Mary's been sick, I've turned down a number of going to other continents kind of thing because I kind of like just being here, you know. Airports are nice to go pick people up and take them to, and then they go and go away, and I get to go home to my bed. True Riches says the community can be an impact, and, and what Jagat prayed, that we get a part of that. We get blessed because they're going and doing those things. True Riches. And then the next verse, Luke 6, 12 says, And if, you've been, if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Tithes are God's property. I know we struggle with that, but I'm glad all of you showed up, even though you knew we were going to talk about it. Tithes are the trustworthy test that enable us to move from little too much. So, going forward today, I'm going to talk about tithe. 
For some people, this may be a real difficult thing. I love tithing because tithing is what unlocks true riches. Not one amen? At least a couple people smiled. You know, God's looking for people who are wise in the kingdom use of money. God's looking for people who will use money to gain eternal outcomes. You know, one of the things that was just awesome about true riches is that in the middle of doing awesome things like barbecue last week, and it was a good barbecue, thank you all. I'm I'm not a good cook. I don't do any of those things well, but I can come and sit and eat way too much and have a good time talking with people. But in the middle of barbecue, God can have an encounter and somebody can come to know Jesus or a couple of somebodies. Because see, true riches are also an eternal outcome. Money never gives us an eternal outcome, but money opens the door to eternal outcomes. And God is looking for people who will be trustworthy with a small issue of money to find people he can trust with true riches. And I think, might be wrong, but I think I'm sharing with a bunch of people today that are looking for true riches. Amen? If you don't get anything else from today, tithes and offerings are first steps to God's blessing and true riches. If you want that, it starts with tithe and offerings. A tithe is defined as, got this from the dictionary, the tenth part of agricultural produce or personal income set aside or apart as an offering for God. It's just a tenth of the income. In biblical days, it was, it was an agrarian society, so they brought crops. Nowadays, we give money. Even in those days, though, if you had to travel, you could sell your cow or your, your corn or whatever you were growing, take the money, and then take it to the temple. So it's a, a tenth of your personal income. Just as a reminder, because we didn't have a lot of amens, so just as a reminder, if you're feeling uncomfortable with a topic of money and tithes, It's okay. That just means the issue's not yet settled in your heart. If I were going to talk about murder today, you wouldn't have an issue because I think everybody here pretty much agrees murder's not a good thing. It's already settled in our heart. Okay, some of us have probably thought once or twice about the need to murder someone who's in our immediate vicinity, but we know it's not right. We just think about that for a minute. But if we feel uncomfortable with a topic, that means it hasn't yet been settled in our heart between us and God. And that's one of the reasons why I'm spending time talking about this is because if we don't settle money, we don't qualify for true riches. So may God, may you allow God to lead you into his peace today as we chat about tithes, which I love to talk about tithes and money because I love true riches. 
The passage is one probably most of us have heard if you've been in church for a while. It's out of Malachi chapter 3. That's probably the most well-known passage in Malachi. It may be the only passage, well, that and God restoring the hearts of the fathers to the children and children of the fathers. Those two things are about the only thing people even know about Malachi. Chapter 3. Verse 7 to 12, going to read through it, talk a little bit, and then I'm going to go back and highlight a couple things. Malachi, chapter 3, verse 7. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees. God is speaking here. You have turned away from my decrees and not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out such a blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. If that's God's promise, why don't most people tithe? The statistical average for consistent churchgoers is about 4% giving. The statistical average for all people who attend church is about 2%. That's the norm. Malachi is filled with a bunch of things that the priests of the land were doing that were causing problems and issues for God and the people. Who are priests here today? You are. I am. All of us are priests. So this is applicable to us. It isn't just me standing here as a pastor This was equally applicable and settled for me when I was an accountant. Many Christians don't want to tithe or are uncomfortable with tithe because they say tithing is about law. So I want to talk about that because I want to take care of a couple issues that people tend to have about, well, I don't want to tithe. And one of them is, I don't want to tithe because tithing is about the law, and we're not under law. However, tithing is not a law issue. Tithing preceded the the law by about 400 years. The first biblical recording of a tithe was Abraham gave a tithe of 10% of everything he had to Melchizedek about 400 years before the law. Now, the details of tithing are detailed in the law. But Jesus validated tithing. So, New Testament, Jesus said, hey, it it doesn't end. He said, I came to fulfill the law. In Matthew 23, 23, Jesus said to to the Pharisees, you should have practiced the, uh, the latter, that is, justice, mercy, and faithfulness, while not neglecting the former, which was tithing. The the Pharisees were way into a whole bunch of rules. I know none of us here have ever gone to churches with a whack of rules. 
I grew up in one. That's why I quit going for four years. Rules are no fun. The Pharisees were into rules, and Jesus said, look, you're doing all the rules about even giving a tithe on the spices you put on your food, but you forget about justice and mercy. And he says, you should be doing those really important things like justice and mercy, but not neglect tithing. He says, you keep doing tithing. But remember last week, tithing is like the entryway into finances and true riches. So he says, don't stop doing tithing. He validated it, but then do this other stuff as well. Do them all. And then the early church fathers validated tithing. The church was in a lot of disrepair during the time of Augustine. And Augustine said, basically, we are in trouble because we have forgotten to tithe the way the early church fathers did. Tithing and offerings are not an Old Testament issue. Tithing and offerings are a lordship issue. Who has the final say about money? Me or God? Now, you're going to love this. Well, we're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. That doesn't get us off the hook either. In the law, there was actually a requirement of 30% tithe. Yeah. So if, you know, if we're, if we're doing 10% now, you know, like, bless God for grace, hallelujah. Because they were required to give the 10% tithe to go into the storehouse in the temple. The second tithe was to be saved, kind of like a saving account or money to be used when times were difficult, and that money could be dispersed either to the, excuse me, the poor or to the priests. The third tithe was strictly to go to the poor. Now, what would happen if the 2% of giving from people in general or the 4% average giving of church-going members all of a sudden went to just 10%. We are talking about more than doubling the entire amount given to the church in North America. Do you think we could help the poor problem just a little bit more if we doubled what we gave? just to get up to the basic 10%, let alone the 30%. Oh, by the way, those of you with really big closed calendars, under the law, they're also required to tithe six weeks of service to God. Fit that into your planner. Anybody want to still go back to the law? Not me. Grace doesn't cancel the tithe or anything under the law. Grace requires more. In Matthew 5, Jesus said, under the law, says, you shall not murder. Jesus said, anybody who is angry with your brother has committed murder already in your heart. It's a heart issue. It isn't so much what you actually do. It's what's going on in here. Jesus said that adult... or. The law said adultery is a sin. Jesus said, if you even look on a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart already. See, grace requires more 
than the law does. The law speaks to the physical action. Grace says what's going on in here plus the action. The law says give tithes and offerings. Grace says go and sell everything. <laughs> Are we excited? Now, not this, everyone is not necessarily required to literally go and sell everything, but we are required to say, God, all this is yours. How do you want me to allocate this? What's the best way of stewarding the money that you've given me? Of course, you're getting the 10% back plus offerings, but what do you want me to do with the rest of it? How am I taking care of it? Grace doesn't free us from tithes and offerings, grace empowers us to give it with blessing. Thank you. Grace makes tithes and offerings the baseline for giving to God, the starting point for a generous lifestyle that's marked by true riches. When we get it here, when we get this basic tithes and offerings, there is a grace in us to live generously. I'll try that again. Grace empowers us that when we give tithes and offerings, it positions us to live a generous lifestyle marked by true riches. It's the doorway into all of this. I'm not up here to try to get you to give. You, you do whatever you want to do with your money. I want to see this community, I believe we all want to see this community regularly have salvations and healings and deliverance and living in peace in the middle of a storm and walking with God with confidence as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, not in fear because we know God is with us. True riches does that, and tithes and offerings are the access point. Okay, let's go back through Malachi for a minute. Malachi 3, verses 7 to 9. He says, ever since the time of your forefathers, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. You say, how do we rob you? And with tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. To misquote William Shakespeare, to tithe or not to tithe is not the question. Thank you. A few people smiled. I feel better. That was my one attempt at actually putting humor in, and I'm not good at putting humor in. But we need to get this. God says when you withhold tithes and offerings, we are stealing from him. Now, I'm not the most brilliant person on the planet, but I just got to believe stealing from God is a bad idea. No? Huh? Stealing is not really a clever idea anyway, but stealing from God really seems like a stupid idea. 
Because remember, in Leviticus, God specifically said in chapter 27, verses 30 and 32, you, don't, you can just go there later, he says the tithe belongs to God. It's that thing that he gives us that we don't own, that we're to steward, and how we take care of that opens or closes access to true riches. Tithing is, the, is an initial demonstration of the lordship of Jesus. In Paul's time, when people came to Jesus, most all of them had literal idols sitting in their homes and all that kind of thing. And a significant part of the conversion process from, from idols to the one true and living God is they took their idols melted them, burned them, give them away, whatever, it was, whatever they needed to do to get rid of the idols. And they started to tithe because when you do idol worship, you've got to bring a bunch of junk and stick it in front of the idol, right? They said, we're not doing that anymore. We're going to take what we used to give to idols for the bad things that they would do to people and with people, and we're going to now give it to God. Tithing was one of the initial evidences of conversion to following Jesus. Now, people today think of idolatry as the, you know, the little idols and the little icons and stuff, and that's true. But Ephesians 5.5 5 and Colossians 3.5 say, says this, God says greed is idolatry. Remember way back when we were talking about mammon? It's the world system of values, and he says that system includes greed, or literally that word is covetousness. It's, I got to have this stuff. By the way, credit cards aren't bad. But if you want to carry a balance on credit card, please come and see me. I would be glad to loan you money at 18%. Except God would talk to me about usury, so I don't know if I could actually do that. God doesn't care if you have credit cards. God doesn't care if you have money. He wants you to have stuff. He doesn't want stuff to have you. He doesn't want you to be in bondage to the world system that says, stick it on a card, you can be gratified right now. And then pay twice what it costs you as you pay off with all the interest. Greed is idolatry. I know what they said in Wall Street. Greed is good in the whole speech. World system. Greed is idolatry. So this whole issue we have with money comes down to who's your God? When we withhold from God our tithes and offerings, we are saying to God, I know better. It's my money. I get to spend it my way. I earned it. I'll do what I want with it because that's the idol that we bow down to. And people who say, I'm going to withhold it, we're basically telling God, I know better than you how to take care of this money. But it goes beyond that because he said, I'm giving you something that is not yours to take care of. And if you will take care of that, then I will give you something out of heaven's treasure and true riches. You take care of this little thing called money, I will give you eternal things called true riches. 
withholding the tithe. Maybe it's inconvenient or I don't, you know, whatever reason. God calls it stealing. Stealing results in a curse. Not my words, God's. If you don't like this little part of the sermon, talk to God about it. That's what he says. Verse 10. It's probably the one we know most if you've been in church for a while. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing you will not be able to have room enough for it. I heard an illustration of an old preacher who went to a diner to eat. When the food arrived, he got the salt shaker out, salt his meal, poured it out, and only a little bit of salt came out exclaimed the preacher, just like a tither, only gives what it has to. See, a lot of people are contending with trying to get to 10%. 10% is the baseline. Now, you've trusted God for your eternity, right? Jesus, come into my heart. I want to be with you in heaven forever. Okay, you're trusting a God you cannot see for an eternity you've never seen before, and yet you won't trust him with money. Tithe is the baseline, not the thing we're trying to get to. Verse 8 says, tithes and offerings. Part of stealing from God isn't just tithe, it's offerings. Sorry, again, this is what he said. I'm not sorry. I take that back. For too long, we have lived with the idea, I can just get by with this money thing, and everything's going to be all right. And then we wonder why when we pray for something or we try to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't get there because we haven't addressed this. Now, tithe belongs in the storehouse. In biblical times, they brought all their stuff to the the temple gave it to the priests, and they took it to a place called storehouse. They had a big room where they kept all the stuff. They kept the cows, and they kept the, you know, the agriculture and all those kinds of things. The storehouse now is the local church. The local church, and we love that, you know, Penny and Silver going around the globe and, and all, the, all the kind of things and the connections we have in this community with what's going on nationally and globally. But the storehouse, the local church, is and always will be the center for relationship, maturation, discipleship. It all happens here. The tithe goes here. Now, if you're here today from another church, please don't put your tithe in here. This is not where it goes. You don't go to Tim Hortons and get a cup of coffee and pay for it at Starbucks. Thank you. I tried two things that were funny, or hopefully funny. You know, people frown on this stuff. You pay for the stuff you get at the place you get it. If you're not happy with what your church is doing and you don't want them, want them, want them, them to get your tithe money, go to another church. 
Don't stay there and grumble. Go to another church. Are we having fun yet? But people say, well, yeah, but God put me in that church. Well, then we know where the problem is, don't we? If God puts you in a church, if he's placed you here, if he's placed you in this other church, don't complain. He puts you there. Figure it out. You give your tithe there. You get involved. You begin to serve. You begin to minister. You begin to grow in the Lord. Tithe belongs in the storehouse, and the storehouse is the local church. Offerings are above. Now, you can say, well, I want to give to other places. No, you don't get to redirect the tithe. People came to the temple, and they didn't say, I don't want to give my cow to this priest. I'm going to walk down here and give this cow to the poor. No, the tithe goes into the storehouse. Offerings go there. Now, we can do that one of two ways. You can give your tithe to City River, and you can write a check to World Vision because you want to, you know, pay for food for the poor in Africa. That's okay. That's what offerings are for. You can come to City River, (coughs) put your tithe into the storehouse, And write another check or do another online donation to designate for, say, Helping Hands, ministry in India, who takes care of the poor and educates the poor. But the offering is supplemental to tithes and offerings. Now, I'm going to go into this a little bit more next week about what happens when we don't tithe and why tithes doesn't, doesn't always bear fruit. But there's something that happens when we don't tithe that is an invitation for the enemy to come and plunder us individually and as a church community. And we're going to talk about some of this sowing and not reaping next week. If you've got any questions about this giving thing, like how do we do this or anything, come talk to me afterwards or talk to anybody in leadership and they'll share it. By the way, if you have any questions about anything I'm talking about, I can stand here for quite a while and chat with you about stuff afterwards. Malachi 3.10. The whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. God invites him to test us in this area, and I don't have time to tell all the stories When we were moving, I found my CD set that I did. It was about a seven-part set on on tithing. In listening to it, I found, wow, I I have a lot of stories about how God has just ridiculously blessed my family and I because we tithe and give offerings. Not all of them are financial. It's not, this part isn't about necessarily sowing and reaping. I will talk about that next week. But this is about simply being obedient to do what God says. And he says, if you do this, I will pour out a blessing. And it's in all different kinds of things. The children of Israel, when they were in the wilderness, 
Their clothes didn't wear out for 40 years. Now, I know this could be a tragedy for some of you ladies. Some of you men probably have been wearing the same clothes for 40 years. I have clothes, not very many because we moved and I got rid of them. If the, I, I figured if they were over a decade old, it was probably time to get rid of them. They're probably not stylish anymore. And yes, I got rid of some stuff that was over 10 years. But their entire clothing, their shoes, nothing wore out for 40 years. What if God just had stuff last longer? I'll have to do that next week. Blessings are not financial. We're after true riches. We want to have eternal impact. We want to have an impact that reaches globally, reaches nations, brings people groups to Jesus. I do have a testimony, and Acts shares in part of it. I'll probably tell that next week just to remind everybody about how we were able to impact an entire people group with the gospel. Now, that's pretty cool. That counts for stuff when we get to heaven. Anyway, Malachi 3, 11 and 12 God says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. And then the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land. Next week, I am going to talk about why we don't see fruit or why our stuff gets eaten up because there are reasons why, why the devourer gets to our stuff. Verse 12 talks about the impact of what we, the church, are called to be. And I want to suggest the global church is not called blessed by the nations because the global church does not tithe. God makes the direct link here. It's back to that amount of money. Okay, what if the church in North America doubled the amount they had? How much would we be impacting? We could build homes for unwed mothers. We could be helping people to get off the streets. We could be addressing mental health issues because we have double the amount and more of what the church in North America has right now. What if the global church did it? The giving rate of Christians in Europe is under 1%. What if they started tithing? How much difference could we make? See, the world doesn't look at us with esteem because we're not doing what the church was designed to do because we don't have the finances to do it. Somebody say amen or oh my God or something. We don't do what we are, our mandate from heaven is because we don't have enough money because we aren't tithing. He says bring the whole tithe in and you won't be able to contain it. If we did that, the, church, the world would look at the church and go, what is with you guys? This is amazing. I want to know what you're doing. I want to have what you have. Take the lady in the airport behind me who said, how, how can you feel so peaceful with all of this? What if we multiplied that times all of us walking in true riches? Money is a lordship issue. And the only way to break free from the bondage of mammon and money is to give tithes and offerings. I got a couple minutes. 
this is what I'm going to close with. If you've not been giving tithes and offerings to your local church, the way to experience freedom and position ourselves for true riches is to repent. We have to repent because, because not giving tithes is stealing from God and stealing is a sin. Sin requires repentance. Repentance requires us to think differently and go in the opposite direction. There's a weight in the room right now. I believe that's Holy Spirit. I have three minutes left. The next minute is just to say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me about my relationship with money and tithes? You can sit here and dream about what you're going to have for lunch, but maybe you can talk to God about where you're at in your relationship with money and the presence or the lack of presence of true riches. Take a minute. This week, may you walk out your repentance by starting to tithe or restarting tithing and to celebrate with God the blessing of true riches that he desires to pour out on you. Tithes and offerings are first steps to God's blessing and true riches. I pray that you have a delightful week as you allow Holy Spirit to speak to you about getting free of money and stepping into true riches. Lord, bless you guys.